0: Today, I'm bringing on a guest who's going to be talking about the entire aspect of coaching. He's a local assistant varsity coach for a local high school here in the Treasure Valley, and he's going to be talking about his experience as a coach and how he influences his players. Get ready. This is the Game Time Guru.
1: So, What time is it? Game Time Guru!
0: If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up, and let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here with you guys today for yet another amazing interview that we're going to be bringing on an amazing guest for. He's going to share his story with us, but before we get started, i got to remind you guys, listen, I know... Everyone's in a weird position right now. This current state, when we're we're at home at this particular moment, a lot of people are quarantined across the globe. I understand that. You have a lot of opportunities to consume more content, educate yourselves a little more. You have a little bit, little bit of time to slow down, if you will. And with that being said, I want to make sure that everybody knows: if you're into reading, make sure you're checking out some of the coolest books I've ever read. And one of the books is called *It Takes What It Takes* by Trevor Moad. He is a strategic advisor is the name of his title, but he helps coach Russell Wilson. I've been telling you guys about this book. I'm going to be doing a complete review of this book once I finish it up. But if you want to read this book and you want to do the audio book, you can get a 30-day free trial, guys. Listen, 30-day free trial to Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com slash thegametimeguru. You get 30 days free. Check it out. Read it. It's awesome. It's about thinking neutrally and how he helps athletes think neutrally, as well as, you know, helping people in real life, whether it be business, relationships, whatever, thinking neutrally. And since I started reading it, it has helped me out significantly. Um, So I want you guys to remember, get a 30-day free trial to Audible, check it out. It's called It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Moad. Again, guys, I want to remind everyone as well, if you have not left me a review on my podcast, go and do it. Um, I really appreciate everybody who has. At this point, I have 81 reviews on the show. It's been downloaded in 76, 000, or sorry, 76 different countries, 47,000 different times. Appreciate everybody who's tuned into the show, has shown support, and who has shared this with their friends and family. Now, guys, here is the bread and butter. We wanted to get to this interview. I've been trying to like get this scheduled for a while now. I knew it was going to happen. I'm super stoked that we finally get to do it today. I'm bringing on a basketball coach. He's a friend of mine that I actually work with full-time at ClickFunnels, his name's Carl Wilson. He's the assistant varsity coach. And I'm going to have him talk about the school he coaches for. And we're going to get to know about Carl and his, his history in sports and what, uh, what he's learned as a coach. Today, the focus is on coaching. Carl, thanks so much for joining the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Shane.
0: I'm excited to have you, Carl. This is, It's going to be fun. Him and I have actually had some good conversations um, when we were working in the office before everybody was working remote him and I would just talk basketball, Um, and we still do. We talk sports together. Uh, We don't always agree, but it's always fun to chat it up. And uh, one thing I've always respected about you, Carl, is is your mindset on coaching, and that is why I wanted to bring you on today. Now, can you tell us a little bit about what school you coach for and uh, how long you've been there for?
1: Uh, Yeah, I just started um, this this last season that we just finished up. I started uh, at Bishop Kelly as a varsity assistant coach. And then I spent uh, four years before that as the JV coach at Valley view high school. And then I coached AAU and some of the uh, club stuff before that.
0: That's awesome. And so for those who don't know, um, these are schools in the treasure Valley of Idaho and the surrounding areas of Boise, Idaho, all within about 15, 20 miles out. Just each one that he just mentioned, Bishop Kelly, um, Valley view, they're all within, you know, they're all in the Boise area. Um, Now, Carl, Let's talk about this for a second. You, you are coaching basketball, but you also have played basketball growing up. Talk to us about your career as an athlete before you kind of transitioned into the coaching world, and what actually made you want to coach? Uh,
1: yeah, so um, I picked up a basketball at age three, and I fell in love with the sport. Uh, I would always be dribbling a ball. Um, I played other sports as well, like baseball, soccer. Uh, I didn't really get into football because I was a pretty tiny little dude. Uh, but I always just like gravitated towards basketball. And I just couldn't get enough of it. So played through school, but like I said, I was I was a, a little guy. So I was always the smallest person in my class um, all, all the way until you know probably halfway through high school. Even uh, when I started high school, I wasn't even five feet tall or 100 pounds. Uh, so you know it was it was tough to kind of make your mark when you're so much smaller. But You know, I had a passion for it. I was willing to put in the time. I would always be in the gym. Uh, I started, you know, playing down with the Boise State basketball team when I was a sophomore in high school. They they let me come out and play with them. And mainly it was just me running up and down the court because I was, you know, not as skilled and so much smaller. But it was fun to be able to get out with that level and, and be able to play. Um, And then when I got done, uh, I wanted to play college ball. Uh, I tried to make that happen a few different times. Uh, Unfortunately, I had some injuries where I wasn't able to play as much during college, which kind of set me back. And then once that kind of concluded, I was talking to a a guy I worked with at finish line and he said he coached um, AAU basketball. And I asked him, you know, how he got into that. And he said, you just, contact them and I was like okay this would be a great opportunity because I didn't feel like I always had the best coaches uh, growing up and when you get that opportunity where you have someone who's impactful and I did have a few of those uh, you know they really stood out and I wanted to try and be somebody that could be that person that made the sport fun and made people want to go out and play and improve.
0: I dig it, man. I like that a lot. Just getting to hear your background, kind of seeing where you came from. So you have a sports background, you have a knowledge of the game, a pretty strong IQ of the game of basketball specifically. And now you've transitioned into that coaching, that coaching realm. Now, when you first started coaching, Carl, I'd like to know, like, what was the biggest difference between coaching these athletes and actually playing?
1: Honestly, early on wasn't too tough. I mean, the level that I was coaching wasn't that high. A lot of the kids that I was getting, you know, some of them never played basketball. Um, So, you know, you're, you're teaching fundamentals at that point. And so there wasn't like a huge transition as far as that. Um, One of the things I'd say that I learned early on was, you know, and and I, I take, I take that now as well is that ultimately, Ultimately, I'm not playing the game. And I think a lot of times as coaches, we get so caught up in, you know, wanting to win and lose. And there's frustration. And it's like, I'm not the one actually out there doing it. All, All I can do is prepare the kids the best I can, and then try and help them throughout the game.
0: That I think that would be super super difficult to get used to is not having control over the actual playing phase of it like you don 't have the ball in your hands now you 're trying to get your message across to these guys to essentially do what you want them to do um, to me that would be very difficult as a as a coach because you i guess in this life, especially as an athlete, you want control over the situation, and sometimes as a coach. You can get control, but you have to do it in a different way. And you also said something that struck me, Carl, and we've talked about this before. You've you've talked about, you know, making an impact on players, and you didn't always have the best coaches. You had a few that made an impact. When you went into coaching, what's one of the biggest things would you consider an impact um, from a coach? Like what do you want to do as a coach to make that impact
1: on those players? For me, it's about letting these kids know that they're people. You know, even just in school, whenever I had a teacher that treated me as a human and asked about me, and seemed to actually care about who I was, I always wanted to work harder for that coach, that person. Um, And so that's a big one for me is you know getting to know these kids outside of just okay, you're here at practice, just do this. Like, who are you? What what makes you happy? What makes you want to play this sport? Why are you here? You know, not everybody is super passionate about basketball like I am. And maybe they just want to be with their friends and, you know, or whatever it is. And that's okay too. You know, as long as we have that understanding. So I know how hard to push that kid. Um, And I think that a lot of kids respect that because it's like, Oh yeah, like I just want to be out here. And it's like, so don't push me and yell at me and tell me, you know, I need to do more. I just want to be a part of the team. Um, You know, the other thing that I really took away from a couple of different people. uh, One was uh, coach Rod Jensen, who used to be the BSU basketball coach. I was just talking about this yesterday, actually, with a friend, was just his passion and how, like, he every time he spoke or talked, you could feel the passion he had behind it um, and the energy and bringing that fun to the game. So another person that really uh, helped show me passion and stuff is a former basketball player uh, from Boise State, Jerry Washington. He was kind of my hero growing up, and uh, it was a week-long basketball camp at Boise State, and I got uh, to have him as my coach. And I just remember we won a game, and it's a meaningless game at a, at a basketball camp over the summer with a bunch of kids he doesn't know. And when we won that game, he started sprinting across the court, went on to another court, through another game just celebrating because he was so happy. And I just remember the impact that made on me and how much fun it was. And that's something I've always wanted to bring to other people.
0: That's so awesome, man. I remember Jerry, uh, G dub, man, he was one of my favorite players and, um, I encourage anybody to, you know, go back and just maybe Google Jerry Washington and kind of find out about his story. Uh, super sad story after his basketball career was over, but he's still making an impact. His, his memories live on, all that stuff from, from his athletic side of things. Um, and it's, it's been really cool, though, to, to see the impact he had on people, especially yourself. I didn't even know that story, so that's why I wanted to make sure we all got to hear that. And I would encourage anybody to go back and kind of check out Jerry Washington's playing career. He's He's been making an impact like that um, pretty much his entire life, especially here in the Valley with a lot of people who followed him in his career. And Carl, obviously, was one of those guys that he made an impact in a different way, and it's, that's super cool. Now, here's one thing I always I always really appreciated about my coaches. Carl was – the ones who could actually, you, you mentioned it, like treating these athletes as human beings and understanding that everybody's different, right? They, the coaches that I respected the most were the ones who could adjust to their players while still maintaining the like same goal, the ultimate goal for the team, whatever that may be, they were able to adjust their, to the players that they had because they understood that everybody, especially at the high school level had different personalities and they were hard to come up. I mean, they're, they're little turds at times. I was one of them. Um, but they were able to listen, understand, and adapt. So the way that one one um, player might get disciplined is a little different than the way that another player might be disciplined as, as far as the way they communicated with us. And I think that was super important. You kind of discuss that, but it's not a skill set that everybody just acquires. Not like not every coach has it, and not every coach tries to get it. Um, unfortunately you obviously have that skill set of being able to adapt to your players. And I'm curious if you could share with us and any other coaches that are out there listening, how you acquired that skill set of being able to adapt to your players. Cause it's not as easy as it may sound.
1: Uh, yeah. So I think there's a few things that go into it and, and one of them is just an awareness, you know, reading body language. Uh, you know, uh, the biggest thing I see from kids is, you know, especially I'm, I'm dealing with young men. I don't know the problem. I can't help fix it. And so I think it's important to, you know, have an aware awareness with that. And then a lot of times you'll ask, Hey, you know, why are you upset? And they'll give you the no, nothing, nothing's wrong. And it's like, well, it's easy to just give up at that point, but I, I always push farther. It's like, well, no, you need to tell me. And I've had a lot of moments where, you know, a kid will break down and start crying or whatever, and they're frustrated or, they're upset about something and just being able to let them have their voice heard and be able to tell you what's going on. And sometimes it can be an easy fix and sometimes, you know, it's not, but that can also really help you understand how to coach them better. Um, so, you know, I've had players where you need to kind of be a little more aggressive and tell them to pick it up and then they'll play really well because they get angry and they've even known like that's the strategy and they think it's funny um, and then you've got some that, you know, if you yell at them, they're going to kind of go into a shell. And so if if you take the same approach with all, all the kids, you're not going to get the same results. Um, so, you know, it's important to, to be able to find that. And a lot of times, you know, if you can just communicate with them and I'm very honest about it, it's like, here's where you're at. Here's why I am seeing this. And, you know, Our reality is what we perceive. And so sometimes it could just be, well, to me, I'm seeing this. What are you seeing? Um, I think that's a big one that's forgotten. Like, hey, I didn't like when coaches did this. Or, hey, this really worked for me. Or why would this be frustrating? And if I can understand where they're coming from, then it can make coaching them a lot easier.
0: Dude, I dig that. I dig that so much. It's awesome uh, to hear it from your perspective, too, just kind of seeing what you do. These are simple things that Carl's doing as a coach to make a bigger impact on his players so that they remember Carl, they remember, you know, and then they perform better, which ultimately helps them not only throughout their athletic career, but they'll remember Carl when they when they get older. They'll remember Coach Carl. <laughs> I don't know if you go by Coach Wilson or Coach Carl, but, I mean, they'll remember you. And that's, that's super important is when you can make an impact and they actually remember who you are. Um, that's one of the things about my coaches too. Like I always look back and I'm like, which ones had the biggest impact? Um, and I always have been of the belief that even in business, this is such a super important skill set to have. Carl's obviously got it, but it's like, I I always believe that you should never go into a one-on-one with a team member. If you are in charge of any team members, you should never have any surprises. There should never be any surprises because you should always have this communication, this open communication so that they know what's going on. Um, and Carl obviously is able to do that with his, you know, his, his teammates, or sorry, his team members um, able to keep that open communication. Everybody knows how he's going to communicate, what he's going to say. And uh, it, it works. It works. He, he does a good job at adjusting. And I think that's awesome, man. I commend you for it. Now I want to get into the, this discussion. I've I've talked to coaches that have coached at, the, the professional level, the high school level, um, middle school, and then like the AAU transition levels, club ball in the high school level. I'm curious what your thoughts are on the difference in coaching AAU basketball compared to maybe at the varsity level, even as an assistant coach, like what's the difference between coaching varsity, high school basketball, maybe AAU or club ball.
1: If you're, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're talking and the definition of AAU versus club ball, um, AAU, around here is kind of more kids that were almost like cut from their like freshman team usually. Uh, so, like I said, that a lot of those kids maybe haven't played as much versus like club basketball, which is your more uh, advanced basketball players that are really wanting to get into it and travel. Um, I think one of the things that I've always kind of wondered about, cause I've only done a little bit with the club side is I, I feel like we, as a high school need to work better with the club teams. I feel like the relationship needs to come together because I think what happens a lot of times is you've got these club teams and they go off and they play with all these different kids from different schools and they're traveling and maybe they're the star on that team and they get to shoot as much as they want. And then you come into a school environment and, Now you're playing with different guys and maybe your role is a defender or rebounder because this other guy's the star. And so I think that that's a a big difference that we kind of need to come together as a basketball community to try and find a way to work through those things and have those same goals in place so that you're not getting the frustration. Cause I know there is, you know, a back and forth, kind of between high school and club teams where it almost seems like they're pitted against each other. Whereas if I think if we could find a way to work together, it would be very beneficial. I mean, we didn't have like the club teams when I was growing up. So I remember when hoop dreams started here uh, with Roberto Bergerson. I remember just being so excited because these kids would start to get more exposure, more basketball, uh, higher level training. And since then we've seen a huge, uh, growth of players going on to play high level college basketball, which is what I expected to happen. I think, like I said, though, the problem is, is that breakdown in between the two can be a real issue. And, you know, I think back when I was playing or, you know, even back before that, you always were playing with your teammates in the off season. So you're really growing together and that, you know, how, how to play with them and the camaraderie and all that. I think that's one of the the hard things to balance with it. It's super interesting
0: you brought all that up man be, and and I want to kind of keep on the subject real quick on the club basketball and the growth of it. I've talked about it on my show before just especially here in Idaho it's it's a lot bigger than it than it used to be. Even when I was in school, I graduated 2006, we had Boise Flight and that was basically it. Then it's grown into like everybody's got a club team and you're exactly right. I mean and and the the unfortunate thing about it especially here in Idaho is like We've dealt with it in the Meridian School District, the Boise School District. It, when I was in school, it was different. Boise was open enrollment, Meridian wasn't, so there was, like, disadvantages there. Like, you could basically play at any school if you live in the Boise School District, whereas in Meridian, it was closed. I'm not sure how they've changed that now, but, like, it, it caused frustration for a lot of these players because then once you see the the club teams open up, the best of the best players jump on the same team. They're all playing, but then they go back to their high school teams. And they know, like, I think it's the reality sets in at the high school level. Like, a lot of scouts aren't coming to, to Idaho high schools and watching them. I mean, they are They are going to see them, yes. But they're going to get their exposure through traveling and playing with their club teams. And it's interesting. I think it, you make a really good point of bridging that for the two and and coming together and having some sort of unity there is is super important. Because um, you're right. Back when we were playing ball back in the high school days – the summers were summer tournaments with your high school teams. And even like there were some five on five tournaments. There was one called Oregon prep that we, you know, we brought a lot of our guys from our high school teams and we just played together. And it wasn't necessarily our high school team being represented, but it was all the same guys from our high school. Everybody played together from your high school team and you kind of grew together. Now with the club teams, it's kind of spread that out. Um, So that's really interesting. Now, another topic I wanted to bring up too, with you, Carl. Is something that we've talked about at work quite a while back. You may or may not remember this, but we were talking about the ages of, of athletes and what it can do um, for the maturity of an athlete. And I bring this up because when I was in high school, I graduated at the age of 17. I always joke around with people because I was a youngster for my, my class. Everybody else was older than me by like nine months to a year. I was 16 years old for like three days as a freshman, and, or sorry, a senior in high school. Uh, I was 17 years old as a freshman in college. It was crazy. Like I just, I was always young. Um, And I realized the difference in my body from the time I was 17 to the time I was 18. And you're around a lot of these young guys. And you'll see parents that I mean, it's not as common anymore. But parents used to hold their kids back for a year. I used to be so against that. But I kind of started to open my mind on that concept, because I understand if their kid truly wants to compete and get a scholarship and, and play at the next level it's important for them to get that exposure while they're in this like stage of their life. Um, And I'm curious your thoughts there. I mean, how much, you know, six months to a year can be, you know, so much different for your body, your physicality, the maturity mentally and physically for you as an athlete. What are your thoughts on age, like the age gap for athletes and parents who have always thought about like, you know, potentially holding their kids back to have uh, an advantage.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do remember that. And I, this is a conversation I have, Pretty frequently, actually, Uh, you know, the thing that got me thinking about it was the Malcolm Gladwell book, Outliers. Uh, So the Malcolm Gladwell book, uh, Outliers, they talked about, you know, a husband and wife were at a hockey game, and the wife was reading the program, and she saw that every player was born between January and March, and she pointed out to her husband, who was like a scientist, and so he started researching why that was, and what they realized was that was when you could enroll. Uh, to play the sports so it was January to December so all the kids that were born you know between January and March were a year to you know nine months older than these kids who were born in December and when you're five six years old that's a huge difference not just physically but mentally I mean if you, you have kids Shane so you you see like how quickly they're growing and developing and stuff you know, so nine months can make a huge difference. And what happens is those kids, a lot of times get put in with better coaches and better training because they're the higher performers because they're just bigger or more mature. Um, so, you know, this is a big one for me. Cause when I read that you know, I graduated high school at 130 pounds, I was five foot eight, 130 pounds. So I was tiny. And, you know, I actually talked to my parents about it at the time. I was like, you know, I was so small, like, you know, this book. And they said, well, they actually did want to hold you back in kindergarten. So that's always been a big focus of mine is like, okay, here's where you're at. And I'm, again, I'm going to be honest. Like you just haven't grown yet or you just haven't matured yet. And that sucks, but that's the reality, but keep working because you will. And then you're going to have that skill set to go along with the physical part. And I think Boise state football is a great example of that. They've taken so many guys, you know, guys I went to high school with, who were not recruited who were walk-ons things like that and then in a couple years they matured they got their you know adult body and they went on to play and start for fiesta bowl teams or make the nfl
0: such a good point man and you brought up the kids and i literally have had this conversation time and time again with my wife about my three and a half year old son the difference that in, in his mentality and his physicality now compared to just six months ago. I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's like speaking in full sentences. Like he understands this and that. And it's so true. Like it's just the same concept as we all grow up. And I've also got another buddy of mine who's um, younger brother is playing at a local high school. Um, he's going to be a senior next year. He's a stellar basketball player, stellar basketball player, but he happens to be on a, at a school where they're all, superstar basketball players. It's arguably one of the top schools in the, in the state of Idaho for basketball. And, uh, he just happens to be there. So he doesn't, you know, get the exposure that he probably would at any other school. And they've talked about, you know, he's going to leave on a two year church mission. And when he comes back, you know, at that point, if he wants to play at a community college or something like that, then we'll go and and, and take it at that route, you know, when, when the time comes and I always kept thinking, I'm like, dude, the difference uh, me at 18 and then 2021 20, is just substantial. As far as my athleticism, my, my mentality and this and that. And I just think it's such a huge, like just a couple months, six months to a year makes such a big difference. And I really respect your thoughts on that. And I'm glad that you shared that with us today. Now, Carl question for you, as we, as we wrap up the interview and get to know like more about coaching, we look at the NBA, let's, let's take a look at the NBA. Some of the quote unquote best coaches, one of them is Steve Kerr. Uh, People love Steve Kerr. Some people hate him, but some people love him. And the reason some people just, they love him is because he was able to take this Warriors team and put them into one of the, the best stretches in NBA history, as far as like their run. And he very well may do it again next season. Who knows when they get fully healthy, but he took this team that was already pretty good, but just couldn't get past that barrier. He just couldn't break the barrier. They, they couldn't break the barrier. And then he came in and they just went on one of the biggest stretches. I mean, obviously Kevin Durant's a big part of that, but before Kevin Durant got there, they were already superb. Tell me why you think Steve Kerr, is such a good coach and how he was able to get past that you know that that barrier they just couldn't seem to get through
1: uh yeah i love this question shane because you know i'm a big golden state warriors fan um i've been a warriors fan since uh like 2002 uh so before they were good um i've got my jason richardson jersey in my room to prove it um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah they uh i the thing i love about steve kerr and obviously you know i'm not there on the day-to-day and you know Maybe it's play plays he draws up, whatever. But I think the biggest thing that he's brought is he wants the game to be fun. And that's, again, going back to we forget about that. You know, like we get caught up in coaching and we're mad because this isn't happening. And You know, but he wants the game to be fun. And I've read an article, you know, about where in the office, if somebody thinks things are getting too serious, they'll just say we're going surfing and everybody gets up and leaves. Because they're like, yeah, we have work to do. But in the end, it's a game and it should be fun. And that's one of the big things I've always said about Kevin Durant going there. A lot of people, you know, got mad about it. But to me, that's a team I want to play on. Everyone seems to have success that goes there. Everyone has fun. They move the basketball. They share the ball. You know, it's not just one guy brings it down. Everybody else just stands there. You know, I've I've played on those teams. I'm sure you've played on those teams. It's boring. You're like, I don't want to rebound or play defense as hard and just watch you take bad shots. Like, I I want to touch the ball too. Like, even if I don't shoot, as long as it's, you know, good shots and everybody's getting to touch it, it's so much more fun to play in that style. Um, So I think that's the big thing that he's done that's just different is he, he continually tries to bring it back to being fun. For all the players, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting watching how many players they've brought in that were on their last leg or failures, you know, and they've and then everybody's like, oh, this guy's great. Like, you know, JaVel McGee was out of the league before they brought him back, you know, um, and this year, even though they weren't winning, how many teams wanted to trade for those players that they had because they're trying to make each guy successful because they share the ball, because they are all involved in these things, and they know that they care about the players, I think that's huge. And even Kevin Durant leaving, I've not seen one guy or one front office person say a single bad thing about him. It's always been, let's just focus on the great memories we had. He was awesome. We're going to remember these championships. You know, like, why wouldn't you want to play on that team? You're
0: so right, man. I have another friend of mine who, he's not necessarily a Warriors fan, but he has mad respect for that entire team and the run that they went on. And he once said something similar to me about Kevin Durant, you know, making the transition over there. And it was, he wanted to play with someone like Steph Curry. He didn't want to, he he wanted to be in an environment that was fun. And I'm, I'm so glad that you brought up the whole word fun. It sounds, you know, like elementary, but it's so true. Even at that level, having fun is so important to the success of a team and you can totally see it they're out there having a blast at any moment any one of those guys can put a 20 piece up in a game if not all of them you know like you can get three four guys putting up a 20 piece on that on that team because they enjoy playing together they enjoy being around each other one thing that stud, stood out to me about Steve Kerr I remember they were playing the Rockets in a basketball game I think it was in the playoffs they were down by like 25 points they were getting housed like it was awful and they were in Houston and He calls a timeout because they kind of went on this little run, and it was like a 7-0 run, and he calls timeout. Houston didn't call timeout. Steve Kerr called timeout, even though they were on a little run. And I remember they showed the the sound clip of them in the huddle, and Steve Kerr kind of has a smile on his face. His team's down by like 20-plus points. And he goes, he's like, you guys feel that? You feel that? The momentum's starting to shift here in the stadium. They were still down by (laughs) 20-plus. But he, he was having fun with them. He's telling them. He's smiling. He's like, you feel that? There's something different in this crowd. And he's like, the momentum's starting to shift. That's all he was saying. He was just having a good time with it. And that was kind of how the timeout went. And the Warriors went on to win that game. And as pissed as I was about it at the time, (laughs) I've always thought of that. Like Steve Kerr just had this mentality. Like, Hey, you know, smile, have a good time and realize like, Hey, like "You, you can realize those little intricacies of the game. And he shares that with his team. Like, Hey guys, this sucks right now for you guys, but listen, like, it's not all that bad. Look, the, the momentum shifted. And that right there, everybody knows momentum's huge in the game. And I thought that was so cool. I was like, what a good timeout that was to remind his team, like, you still might be down, but things are changing. And it did. The rest of the game went the other way and they ended up winning the game. I think Steve Kerr needs a lot of credit. Some people say he took over a, a great team, which I I do believe he did. He took over a great team, but he made them a great team. Not not a great team, an elite team. Um, one of the best teams to ever be in the history of the NBA. He took them through that barrier because of his, his skill set, Now, Carl, I want to know what's your ultimate goal with coaching. I mean, you, you have all these, you know, you, you're, you've got this experience now. What is the ultimate goal for Carl Wilson? Where do we want to see you in the next five years in regards to coaching? Do you have a goal to coach at the next level? Um, what, what, what's your passion and what's your drive and what's your ultimate goal?
1: I would love, you know, to get paid to coach and just make that my career. I mean, it is my passion in life. I'm at my best and probably happiest when I'm doing it. Um, I just love being around basketball in general. Uh, you know, I don't know how realistic that is. I I don't probably have the desire to move to like a varsity head coach um, just with not being in teaching and stuff. I think that's a really hard role to have, um, you know, an outside job and do a varsity head coach. So I, I'm really happy with where I'm at. You know, the ultimate thing for me is just being able to try and make an impact, just be there help kids, you know, realize their goals. You know, if, if they say, coach, this is what I want to do. Will you help me? I I'm going to be there. You know, what do you need? How can I help? And that's on and off the court, like just helping people to, you know, realize their dreams and their goals. Um, I'm very big on that because, you know, I think a lot of times people give up on their goals because, we live in a society where it's now nah, you can't accomplish that, and that's you know one thing I really respect about you, Shane, with this uh, this podcast is you know you've really gone after it, and you're very supportive of other people. And you know one of my favorite things, and I'll leave the the language he used out of it, is the director Kevin Smith. Uh, he directed uh, like Clerks and Mallrats and stuff. He's one of my favorite directors. I watched an interview with him, and he said, "Why not me?" And he went on this whole long thing why not you? Like, and that's the thing I want to get across to people. If you have a dream, go for it. And it might not work out. Mine didn't. I wanted to play college basketball. I wanted to play in the NBA, but I take a lot of pride in how hard I worked at it. I'm not like embarrassed that I didn't make it. It was, you know what? I put everything I had into this and I worked hard and it's gotten me to the place I'm at now for coaching.
0: I dig that man. I I like that. I like that mentality. And um, I'm, I'm like super proud of you just watching you for the last you know year and a half or so since I've met you and just kind of seeing last year. I don't even remember how long it's been, but just kind of seeing the the way that you support your players, the way that you show passion and drive um, as a coach. One of the things that stood out to me, Carl, was you know this year you guys made the state basketball tournament. Um, you didn't win the state basketball tournament, but you made the state basketball tournament you you had posted about it uh, on social media to come and show support for these players. And I want to, I want to ask you this question to end, end the interview really is just kind of getting your thoughts on how do you handle it with losses? I mean, to get to a state tournament or to get to get to any tournament for that matter, when the season ends, it sucks, whether you make the tournament or not. But when the season ends for a lot of those guys, it sucks. It's very sad because that may be the last time you play with those, that group of individuals. We've all been there. If we played sports before, it's a really sad time in life. And it actually takes a while to get over. How do you handle losses for your players? Um, when they're going through something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny you, you bring that up. And like the first thing that comes to mind is one of the losses we actually had earlier in the season. We just didn't compete. And to me, that wasn't okay. Like for whatever the reason was, we just went out and I just, just didn't feel like we, we cared or we gave it enough. And it's like, if you're going to step on that court, you need to have some passion. You need to, you need to say, you're not going to beat me. You know, I may lose, but you're not going to beat me um and so when we went to state you know and this happened a couple years ago too um i was i was part of the coaching staff where we made the state championship game and lost in overtime and everybody was really sad and i i was just like you know what i'm proud like two teams made it two and we lost in overtime like take pride in that like yeah you want to win but there's also the pride in like what you accomplished like all these other teams didn't even make it here and you made it there and so this year it was we went out and we competed did it, did it hurt that we lost yeah does it kind of stink that the season's over yeah it's going to be over in the next two days whether you win or lose i mean that's going to end no matter what and that's the part that kind of stinks is like oh i don't get to hang out with these people anymore like this team will never be together again but like to me it's take pride in it and if we we went out and we competed this year and you know we lost to a good team by five points and it was like you know we were right there a couple bounces here and there maybe it turns out different but as long as you went out and you gave it your all then you don't really have anything to be sad about or disappointed about you know it's hey we had a great season and we did all these things and we accomplished a lot of our goals along the way and ultimately when I look back, are we going to look back on just the wins or losses? Or are we going to look back on the experience?
0: Dude, that's deep, man. That's deep. And it's cool that you have that mentality and that you can pass that on to your players because not everybody, it's just hard. It's, it's, it's easier said than done to take pride in a, in a situation like that. Like, Hey, like we made it here. We didn't, we came up short, but be proud of that. It's easier said than done to like, keep that mentality. I mean, a lot of people want to say that that's, you know, what they'd be like, but it's not as it's hard, hard in the moment. But if you can train yourself to be that way, and then, you know, instill that with your kids that you're, you know, I shouldn't say kids, the young men that you're working with, um, as a coach, that's super important because that's going to be impactful for them later on in life. That's going to be super impactful. They might go to a job interview one day. They might be the last one down or in the top five, and then they don't get the job but does that mean they shouldn't be proud of themselves? No, they should be proud of themselves for even getting there and they make improvements to adjust to it the next time around or something. Um, it's a, it's a skill set that they need to acquire and it's cool that you're able to instill that man. That's, that's, that's deep. I actually dig that response a lot as I've said a lot of the time throughout this interview. So Carl, I really appreciate you joining me, taking the time out of your schedule. Um, as we're all kind of in quarantine right now, just doing our thing, but I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us and joining the Game Time Guru podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on Shane. Uh, I I love talking sports with you. Uh, so anytime you need me on here again, I'm, I'm proud of you for following your dreams and, and doing such a great job with this. Uh, keep it up. You know, if you need anything from me, you know, I'm always here.
0: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you and appreciate your support as always. And anybody out there listening, make sure you're subscribed to all my social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Hey, we'll talk to you guys next week. Guys, make sure to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me out. Also, if you want that 30-day free trial to Audible, make sure to go to the link that's in the description or simply click or type in audibletrial.com slash Guru. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next time.